basically. So if you look at Q from that perspective, that was a, that I would say that was a positive psyop because it woke people up to, hey, what we're seeing in the news is, is obfuscation. So if your audience hears me say anything, they should hear me say this. There's, you have to discern what you're seeing because there's so much disinformation and so much counter disinformation that anything you look at should be suspect. The noise level is, hey, this quantum financial system. Okay, nobody's talking about that. I've, I've asked, and I have friends that are still in the agencies. I have friends that are in foreign governments. I have friends that are in foreign militaries and nobody knows what that's all about. But if you listen to these influencers that showed up somewhere around January, none of them, first of all, they don't have any facts. Second of all, they talk about a source. Okay, what's the source? Insiders. You're right. Somebody that all told the time. me. Right. That should be your first clue that it's disinformation. And I would say all of them are disinformation. You this is an interview I think you guys are really going to like. So here's what happened. A couple of weeks ago, a gentleman reached out to me via email, and he had some really interesting credentials behind his name. He was a retired lieutenant colonel who was in the Army for 23 years, and his specialties were information warfare and cyber operations. And the reason why he reached out to me is because he really liked what I was saying regarding the infiltration and disinformation that is plaguing the truth movement right now. Apparently, this guy's been following the awakening, disclosure, truth genres, whatever you want to call it, for quite a while. And that's something he was noticing as well. A lot of disinformation that was being inserted into it and completely muddying the waters and completely making a mess of things. And you know, that's something I've definitely been talking about more and more in recent weeks and months. So he reached out to me we had an exchange via email, then we ended up talking on the phone a couple of times, and I really liked a lot of the things he was saying. We agreed on quite a bit. He said that he believed Q to be a real intelligence operation, and we also discussed how there's a lot of disinformation and various propaganda tactics that is completely splitting the truth movement sideways right now. So, I felt like, you know, I don't usually do interviews on this channel, but I felt like a conversation with him would be so helpful to help people grasp what's really going on with right now, left from right and up from down. You know, it's tough. It's tough with how much weird information there is out there. So hopefully this chat with him can help you maybe pick up some skills, maybe hone your discernment, be a little more careful with what you believe and how easily you believe it. I want to have him on this channel again very soon because I feel like his opinions and his understandings of things are very, very helpful. So I hope you enjoy this talk with retired Lieutenant Colonel Steve Murray. If you guys like it, let me know. I'll have him on again soon. Enjoy. Steve, I appreciate you for coming on here with me. So to give the audience a bit of an idea of who you are, what is your background with information, disinformation, warfare tactics, and things like that? So I spent uh, 23 years in the Army, and the last 15 years of my career I spent doing what the Army calls information operations, which is essentially information warfare. And I got into cyber warfare as well as, well, let's just say digital network intelligence. So I had a wide cross section of information related activities and worked with the agencies as well as commanded a cyber battalion that did exploitation, attack and defense. So my background's pretty diverse, especially given the fact that I spent the last 10 years of my uh, career doing nothing but fighting the, the, well, let's just say nation states in our networks. Gotcha. and them stealing and yeah, I could go on and on about it, but that's the gist of it. Gotcha. And what rank did you reach while you were in the army there? I retired as Lieutenant Colonel. I did not want to stay any longer than that. My fund meter was pegged. Gotcha. <laughs> what agencies did you work with and in what capacity? Just trying to get an idea a little bit more of what exactly you did while you were in the army, what you can discuss. So primarily we supported um, NSA and we did a lot of work for the joint task forces 
around the, so we have standing joint task forces around the planet. Uh, JTF 519 sits in Hawaii and their whole job is to stand up in the case of a contingency. So a lot of what uh, my unit supported was operations at the joint level. So if there was anything that happened, say in China, in Japan, in Korea, my unit would be activated. We would go out and support any kind of cyber defense activities. In fact, most of the cyber defense that happened within let's say between 2006 and 2013 when I retired was all done by my unit on the, on the West coast. And my AOR area of responsibility was between California and Korea. So anything in between, and you can imagine that there was a lot of stuff going on back then that kept us busy. And I would say for, for my unit deployments, usually every three months, somebody was deployed. And usually for three to six months at a time, depending on what was going on, we had teams in Afghanistan, we had teams in Iraq, we had teams in Kuwait. All they did was support joint operations around the planet. And that included, you know, criminal elements, nation states, you name it, was in our networks. And we were, our whole job was to go in and not only collect on them, but to get them out of our networks. And it was a full-time gig. <laughs> Trust me, it was a full-time operation. And last question for a little bit of detail. What years were those 23 years you were in the Army for? I started out in 91 gotcha. and retired in 2013. Gotcha. So that's a solid couple decades with a lot of different conflicts and different areas. And being from California to Korea, the whole Pacific Ocean, basically, large area of responsibility there. Right. So now we have your background let's move on into some more current events, things that you reached out to me that you were interested in that you, um, you wanted to discuss. Um, first of all, what do you think of Q, your ideas of it, how you came across it, and what you think of it now? Let's start with QAnon in general, and let's start with uh, what does that look like from an information perspective? And then I'll talk about what I think towards the end. Gotcha. So QAnon, I got turned on to QAnon early 2017, just after there was a post on, I think it was 8chan about Hillary Clinton's going to be arrested in X date at X time. And so about October, November-ish 2017 then? I want to say October. Yeah. I think yeah. that's when the first post. First couple of days then. Yeah. That would have been first handful of posts there. Right. And I got turned on by a, another Intel buddy of mine and he said, you should pay attention to this. This looks like an information operation. So we started watching the boards and we started, um, you know, taking note of what was being posted and then correlating that against, you know, what it is, meaning what are they posting? How often are they posting? What's the cadence of posts? What's the, what's the topics of the postings? And followed it all the way through 2020. Now, when I look at this from a professional standpoint, I see four different narratives across that four-year period. And you could tell that the, the, there was multiple actors that were posting because the posts were inconsistent. The, the themes were the same and the messages were the same. And then you, you see the tone in 2018 change, late 2018 it changes again, 2019 it changes, and then all the way through the election. And what I'm going at, what I'm going towards is you can see four distinct groups of people or four distinct types of messages and, and themes throughout that that changed. And you, the first change, like I said, was in 2018. And it went from pro-Trump, pro-America pro, um, uh, pro America to more of a watch to see what's going on, trust Sessions, trust Durham, trust Huber, et cetera. Then 2018, the narrative changes, or late 2018, the narrative changes again. It's back to pro-Trump. And then 2019, it's, it's all about child sex trafficking, pedophilia, um, compromises, the Epstein piece, all of those were sprinkled throughout, but you really see an emphasis on that towards the end of 2019. So if I had to sum it up, I would say that the boards changed control several times throughout that four year period. And there was multiple actors that were posting. Now, do I think it's a PSYOP? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think a lot of what, what was posted was delay, delay, delay. And if you look at some of the posts, especially in 2019, all of those posts were about trust the plan, trust the, trust the players, the White Hats are winning, trust, trust what's going on, don't get out of your house, don't do anything. And I think it was 
purposely designed to delay the population. Now, I think the unintended consequences and what we call second and third order effects, when you look at the second and third order effects of QAnon, you see a couple of very distinct things. Number one is this where we go one, we, we go all. Great message. And it united the planet. Because there's, when this started, I would say there was probably a couple of million people that were watching Q. And now you've got millions of people worldwide that are literally hanging and going back through the posts. They're, they're wrapped up in uh, Dramatria. They're, they're looking at numbers. They're looking at the different messages and correlating that to what's going on now. But more importantly, you have a peaceful movement that's driving towards liberating the planet from debt, slavery, et cetera, right? That's the themes and messages I hear now. So that's the first good thing that came out of it was it was a platform to unite people across multiple demographics, not just you know a certain set of people in, in the United States. This literally is across the planet and it has united groups of people that would never have been united before. And the, the common thread in all of this is that you know, there's more of us than there is them, right? So that, those are the good things that came out of Q. The, the things I don't like about QAnon, number one, trust sessions. Number two, trust Durham. And this, this concept of nothing can stop what's coming, right? How long have you been hearing that? You've been hearing that for, for almost two years now. So do I think it's a PSYOP? Absolutely. Personally, I think there's some, there's some not only merit, but some credit to what they were posting. And I think if I had to take it out and dissect and look at it, what was the purpose of this? I think it was just to wake people up, that there's something bigger going on. And that's the human trafficking, the child trafficking, the money laundering, the criminality, the drug trafficking. All of those things were, were in several you know, drops sprinkled around a two-year period in the QAnon drops from 2018 to 2020. And it's opened people's eyes. Now, the problem with some of it is, and this is the problem with anything like this, the third order effects, people have taken it so seriously, now it's a religion. And you can't question it, you can't get them to think outside of it, everything's the gospel. And that's the danger in it, right? So that's, that's part of the PSYOP that I, that I have a hard time with, is that it is a religion. Do I, do I think there's some value in it? Yes and no. Look, intelligence doesn't work that way. Intelligence is about creating product. My job as an intelligence officer was to assess the enemy's disposition, figure out their array of battle, their order of battle, and then very succinctly tell a battlefield commander, this is exactly what I think the enemy's gonna do. This is, how they're, this is how they're arrayed across the battlefield. This is how they're going to move against our forces. This is where their, their let's just say, center of gravity is, which means here's their, their core capability that if we take this out, they stop they stop fighting or we diminish their ability to fight. Those are the things that commanders worry about. Can I play a little bit of a devil's advocate here? Absolutely. So you're saying it's a psyop with riddles and uh, kind of overviewing some of the negatives, I guess you're portraying in regards to Q. Psyop riddles and then the trust sessions, kind of a pacification sort of idea. Could some of these things have been counterintelligence to put out? Uh, to maybe make the bad guys or the deep state or what have you make bad moves. And, you know, calling it a PSYOP, does that inherently mean it's bad? Could there be good PSYOPs out there? Like, what are your ideas in terms of those things? Well, let's, let's start with the, uh, the counterintel. It absolutely could be counterintel, um, especially if you know the enemy's paying attention to it. But I wouldn't say that the, when it first started out in 2017, 2018, that it was counterintel. I would definitely say in 19 it was, because like I said, the narratives changes, right? You will look for the narrative switch. That'll tell you. Now, is there a good psyop and a bad psyop? Absolutely there is. You can use psychological operations to influence population. You can use the, you can use psychological operations to, let's just say suppress or put the population in fear. It just depends on what the objective is, right? And I think, like I said, I think the objective of this was to educate people as to what's really going on around them and what's really behind the curtain. And more importantly, what are the, what are the themes that I saw over that, that period of time? Number one, don't trust the media, especially the mainstream media. Number two, be suspect of everything you see. Do your own research. Try and go to the source. And most importantly, 
don't take everything at face value because things at face value, especially in the mainstream media, are not face value. It's all lies and ob obfuscation, right? So, I mean, you could, you could look at our mainstream media right now. They are Pravda. It is all propaganda. Everything yeah. you see. Same tactics that Nazi Germany did. Joseph Goebbels would be proud. Absolutely. So if you look at Q from that perspective, that was a, that, I would say that was a positive psyop because it woke people up to, hey, what we're seeing in the news is, is obfuscation. So we talked about Q. We talked about how it initially started in 2017, 18, 19, kind of the progression of everything and talking about the idea that it is a psyop, but there was a lot of benefits that came for the public from maybe this particular psyop. Let's get up now into currently what's happening with the movement, because obviously we haven't had a Q post since December 2020. Earlier, you mentioned the whole movement becoming a religion, and you talked about how people are using gematria now and all these different things to basically become obsessed over Q's posts and I see a lot of what's called decode salad. I call it decode salad because people are taking posts from years ago and trying to match it with stuff that's happening today, but it looks like they're totally reaching with these ways they're trying to correlate the two. And there's also a lot of what's called hopium or hope porn as people call it. A lot of clickbait stuff out there. People looks like they're using Q and Q related rhetoric to sell ideas, sell products, even sell themselves and their narratives that have nothing to do, not even related to Q at all. So what do you think about the influencers spreading the hopium and that sort of clickbait or disinformation itself that's plaguing the movement right now? So first it's irresponsible, right? And if, if your audience hears me say anything, they should hear me say this. There's, you have to discern what you're seeing because there's so much disinformation and so much counter disinformation that anything you look at should be suspect. And a good rule of thumb is this. If somebody's still on YouTube talking about QAnon, they're disinformation. If somebody's on YouTube and they're talking about the UFO conspiracy world, that's disinformation. You, YouTube is so heavily censored right now with the algorithms and with all the different metrics that they're using to, to um, censor people that you can assume that anything on there is tightly controlled. Now let's switch to BitChute, Rumble, Parler, Cloud Hub, and all these other different, including Telegram, right? The alternatives. Right around January, you saw these, these group of, I'm going to say a group of influencers, six or seven of them that showed up basically out of nowhere. Right. So that should be your first clue right there that, okay, what's the background of this person? And more importantly, why should I listen to you? The, the key thing for me was listening to him talk about and making absolute statements about Trump's coming back. The good guys are doing this or the bad guys are doing this. Look, all that's a grift because if, if these guys were serious and these guys were real, they'd be using fact-based information. They'd be pointing you to, to solid facts. And that was the one thing. Let's go back to Q a little bit. QAnon tied everything into real facts, things you could go research, things that are real, like the, the uh, relationship between media moguls and influencers, as well as um, politicians intermingling with companies. They leave government, they go to companies, and the, the, the movement identified all of the different players and all of the different connections in the, spider's web, the spider web that went out from those people into the rest of the uh, the rest of the public as well as into the private sector and it showed a couple of things number one it showed tangibly that all these people are compromised right but if you listen to these influencers that showed up somewhere around january none of them first of all they don't have any facts second of all they talk about a source okay what's the source insiders you're right you somebody that all told the time me, Right, that should be your first clue that it's disinformation. And I would say all of them are disinformation. You and I have had this conversation you know, a few times now, and I will tell you that in my mind, Mike Flynn, he's signal, not noise, right? And I tell my friends and, and the folks that I interact with, listen for the signal and disregard the noise. The noise is all the clickbait stuff around, you know, Trump's coming back, election fraud. The only people right now that are really talking about election fraud with any kind of credibility is Mike Lindell, Patrick Byrne, Sidney Powell, 
Those are the only people that are talking about election fraud. Mike Flynn is talking about the question that most Americans are asking, which is, what do I do? How do I get involved so we can actually fix the 2020 election? I think most people agree that we need to fix the 2020 election before we start looking at 2022 or 2024. And we need to put in voting laws and we need to enact voting laws that include voter ID and all of those sorts of things, right? That's signal. The noise level is, hey, this quantum financial system. Okay, nobody's talking about that. I've, I've asked, and I have friends that are still in the agencies. I have friends that are in foreign governments. I have friends that are foreign militaries and nobody knows what that's all about. So that tells me it's disinformation. The other thing is when somebody starts talking about remote viewing and some of those kind of techniques, there's, there's a protocol for the way that you talk about that. There's a protocol for describing your experiences, right? The other thing I've heard, and, and I've, trust me, I've gone down all the rat holes. I've, I've watched all the different media. Um, there's this, I wanna say, they're trying to make a connection between an alien race controlling the financial system there's no proof of any of that, right? There's no, there's we've no got secret space program whistleblowers coming out all over the place. And right. There's no information on, and, and there's no proof that any of this is real. Right. right. I think the closest thing I've heard, um, in the, in the, the one person that I've talked to that I actually think is, is somewhat credible is, uh, Sean David Morton. And if you, and you and I have talked about him. So for those of you who don't know who he is, he wrote a book called the sands of time. And he was back in the eighties. He was really, uh, he was a, he was a journalist that was, um, really into area 51 and he spent a lot of his time uncovering area 51 right around when Bob Lazar was, um, becoming a thing in the eighties. And if you look at what happened to Sean David Morton, number one, the DOJ has destroyed his life and they just, I think they just arrested him, rearrested him this week for tax evasion. I think it was. But if you look at the way they've treated him, when DOJ puts you in jail, they forget about you. They do not come back and look back at you and pay attention to you once you're in prison. They just fire and forget. But they have continued to go after this guy over and over and over and over again, which means either he's way over target or he has something that he hasn't given up that they want. And that, that to me is, bleeds some kind of credibility. Now, what that is, I don't know. What it, what's true in his story, I don't know. But those are the kinds of things I look for, right? When I see these influencers that show up, first of all, they don't have any facts. Like the, the one I heard this week is that the White House is being used for military tribunals. Okay, first of all, the, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, even in a state of emergency, is a very, very precious resource. You have a finite amount of lawyers, you have a finite amount of judges, you have a finite amount of attorneys in general in the military. You're not gonna squander them and throw them into some environment. It's gonna be a very formal, a very structured, and a very thorough process to put somebody through a military tribunal. They're not just gonna stand that up, drive some folks into a building with a truck, and then bring in a bunch of people and run them through the mill. It doesn't work that way. And if you think I'm kidding, go look at the Nuremberg trials. Go watch and just see how thorough it was when they were trying Nazi war criminals and Japanese war criminals, that was a very structured process. And that's, that's why when I look at these things, it's very easy to discern that it's nonsense because some of these things aren't based in reality. And then being in operations formerly yourself, when you hear somebody claim that they were leaked classified information or that they've signed an NDA or they're in contact with military intelligence and military intel is leaking them data, do you laugh? Do you just Absolutely. shake your head? Absolutely. I'm trying not to laugh now because, <laughs> you know, the, the funny part of this conversation is, first of all, as an operator, I would never leak any operational data and compromise operational security for anyone, no, no matter what it was. Um, simply put, loose lips sink ships, right? Mm -hmm. And you, when, you, when you compromise any kind of operational security, you put lives in danger. But more importantly, you put intelligence and intelligence assets in danger. Because the first question is, okay, why are they conducting this operation? Where'd they get the information from? Who's, who's leaking the information? So you put a lot of different things in the chain at risk when you, the moment you open your mouth. Now, the question I have to ask, because I know exactly what you're talking about is, 
you know, why would I, as an operator, sign any kind of an NDA with anybody, especially outside of the military, in a foreign country, for any reason? I mean, it doesn't work that way. We, right. The military has what's called public affairs, and public affairs does all of the media releases. It's a very structured and very controlled environment. They're not going to sign an NDA with anybody. I mean, the, the first question you got to ask, who's going to sign that NDA? What level of command is going to sign that? You, good luck trying to get a four-star general to sign anything like that. They don't have the time. Good luck trying to get a colonel to sign anything like that. Because number one, why would they do that, right? They put their career in jeopardy signing an NDA with anybody. So the short answer is that's all nonsense. Every bit of it's nonsense. Right. So uh, I want to describe, we'll talk a little bit more about sort of this network and how it's operating in different capacities. Question for you, do you think that these influencers could be getting fed disinformation from black hats that are making themselves seem like military intel, maybe putting on a, a different, you know, putting on a show, putting on a face for these influencers and leading them astray? I think it's possible. The, the hard thing that I have believing that is, well, let's use, let, let's, let's use the folks in England, right? Have you noticed that there's, there's folks in England that know more about our constitution and more about what's going on in our government right now than we do. You have to ask the question, why would they, why would they even have any traction, even on BitChute, right? Some of these guys are getting a million views on BitChute. That's unheard of. I would say that there's probably a good possibility that somebody's feeding them information. I think somebody's paying them to push some things out. I think there's there's a lot of absolute statements that are being made by these folks that are grossly irresponsible, not to mention highly inaccurate. Um, but that said, the question that I have to ask is why would somebody use them specifically when there's so many other influencers that they could use to spread information that have way more credibility? Right. Uh, and you're on Telegram, correct? You at least lurk on there a little bit and check yeah, out I the watch, ecosystem. I watch all of them, Gab, Telegram, all of them. I pay attention to all of them. When you look at Telegram, describe to me what you see in terms of the algorithms or the AI that's on there and how that might be playing into the disinformation that's posted on BitChute and Gab, Rumble accounts, elsewhere. Like, How is this network kind of coalescing around? Because there's a lot of different accounts. You've got some influencers out there that are public personalities. They do videos. You've got some sock puppet Telegram accounts that are out there. You have no idea who's behind it, but they're posting the public influencers all the time. It's, it's this whole network that seems to have a lot of different moving parts, all moving together, more or less. So, so what do you see? So let's, let's take this to a global level instead of staying at the micro level. So imagine, if you will, that you want to do an information campaign to influence the public. And let's just choose four of the main narratives that we hear right now. Number one, families are bad. Religion is bad, especially Christianity, and that any kind of social responsibility has to be slanted towards a certain race or a color. And if you're white, especially a white male, you're bad, and pedophilia is okay. Those are the four main themes, right? Now, we could drill down into the, the themes around COVID-19 and some of the other um, health-related things like the, let's just take the, the vaccine, for, for instance. Imagine if you had unlimited resources and you could coordinate all of those different activities across the entire spectrum of information, movie, print, TV, um, social media, radio, even in games, even in um, any kind of advertising, billboards, et cetera. And you had them all synchronized to where you could push this message out. Here's a case in point. Go out to Netflix, go out to amazon.com and look at how many dark, satanic, and pedophilia related topics Netflix that are out is there. bad. It's dark. Yeah. It's very dark. And then start to look at all of the different platforms that are publishing that information. And let's use COVID just for an example. I want, I, I want you to go out to just Netflix and do a search for pandemic or, or any kind of an epidemic or um, even zombies for that matter. And you will see a host of movies made in 2018, 2019, 2020, all about vaccines and some kind of a pandemic, right? 
it's a unified effort that spans all the whole spectrum. It's not just on social media. Now, if you want to drill down to social media, there is a lot of AI that's being created by a number of different companies, Google, Facebook, et cetera. They, they've invested tremendous amount of money to build these, AI, these, uh, these algorithms that all they do is take and craft messages and then post it out there so you see it. So it's doing, it's doing that, posting things faster than we can post them. But like you've been able to discern, one of the ways you discern that is just go back and look at some of the stock images that they're using and some of the, some of the um, let's just say posts that they're posting. You'll see some of that on Twitter. You'll see some of it in, in Instagram. You'll see some of it on Facebook over time. The way that these algorithms learn is they watch streams on all these different platforms and they pick and choose keywords and then they build conversations out of that. And there's even sites on Reddit that are having conversations about universal healthcare and it's all AI driven. There's not one human that's posting on that site. So that's what you're seeing. So you're seeing, and why would they flood Telegram and some of the alternate channels? Well, if they flood the channel with disinformation, then people get confused and they don't realize what the real truth is and it drives them back towards the platforms they want you to drive to, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, where they control the narrative. And it also drives you into being suspect of everything that's being pushed out. So even if the, the alt community is pushing out something true, you're gonna be suspect of it because there's so much clickbait. Right, so you're so, you're so shell-shocked. That's right. if you see the disinformation. I mean, some people are, They've been forced off Twitter and Instagram, so they've been funneled into Telegram, and it's it's like the deep state knew that was going to happen, so they started flooding Telegram with all this disinfo because people are stuck there. If they start to realize the disinfo, and then their mindset shoots the complete opposite direction too far, and they start saying, "I I can't believe anything. I don't know what to believe," and then they have a tough time honing any kind of discernment because they're so just shocked at everything which brings me back to a comment i made earlier about QAnon. now when i made the comment about it being a religion for some that's the point of why telegram and some of the others are being so saturated right now it's because they're targeting that group of people that are so staunch in right. their belief system that they want to disrupt that right so part of my um, information operations campaigns would be would be the influencing operations, then disruption, because I'm trying to disrupt the enemy operations so I can influence them to switch over and buy into the narratives that I'm pushing out, right? So one of those um, that we see right now that's very, very dangerous is this whole push towards don't, don't buy into, you know, police are bad, the police forces are all about, you know, white thuggery, or they're, they're about um, oppression, and that, none of that's true, right? I know a lot of cops and cops just don't think that way. They're, they're about enforcing the law, no matter how stupid the law is, their job's to enforce the law, right? So you, when you start just literally dissecting all of these different narratives, you see a lot of very dangerous language in there. And the other dangerous language is don't trust your neighbors. You know, part of why you're seeing people stay at home right now is they don't know who to trust. And that's by design. It's, it's a disruption operation that keeps you from trusting your neighbor, from discussing your political beliefs, from talking about whether or not you're going to get the vaccine, all of those conversations. Now, let's switch over to the folks that are still on Instagram. They're still doing, they're still doing um, Facebook. They're still doing Twitter. That whole group of people is totally influenced right now by the whole vaccine conversation. Just in case in point, I flew back to your neck of the woods and I was there for three days. Within a three-day time period, literally 100 people asked me if I got the vaccine. Literally, within a three-day period. That's a HIPAA violation, right? It's private. Why would, you, why would you share that? But they're so wrapped up in the social media narrative and the social shaming. And where I'm going with this is what you're seeing on those platforms is social Marxism. All of all the messaging, all the themes, all the narratives are right out of the communist playbook. Every bit of it, including universal health care. All of those narratives are right out of Marxism. I do want to say, for instance, on Telegram, if you start to question any of these influencers or make note of the disinfor disinformation campaigns that are trying to water down Q and confuse everybody, there is so much 
social shaming that takes place, an incredible amount. They don't want people speaking up about these disinformation operations that are going on. Yep, and it's very reminiscent of China, Iran. And now look at what's going on in Europe. Europe has, literally the UK has social media police. They have police dedicated to go out and interview and shame people that are posting things on Facebook and, and Twitter that they consider offensive speech. Where do you think all this is going? That's where this is all going. And the worst part about all of, all of the narratives that are affiliated with the media platforms that are controlled is that number one, there's so many people that are buying into that. Look at, look at how many friends that you have that let's just say you don't talk to anymore, you, you can't even have a conversation with. And all of that started about four years ago, right? The whole Trump derangement syndrome, people make light of that. But, uh, you know, take a step back and look at how many people you don't talk to now after four years because of those kinds of conversations. Every bit of that is social shaming that's right out of the Chinese doctrine. In fact, there's a Chinese general that wrote three books about information warfare. And if you understand anything about China, China believes in total war. That means there's no bridge too far, there's no mountain too high, and there's no river too deep. They'll burn their own people if they have to to win the war. That's their doctrine, meaning they're influencing their own people the same way they're trying to influence us here. And if you look at how many different themes that are out there, especially on the control platforms, that are all about just submit, don't ask any questions, don't challenge the narrative, don't even challenge your neighbor. Just stay quietly at home and just follow the rules. That's what you're hearing over and over and over again, even in the mainstream media. So we've gone through talking about the psyops, talking about Q, talking about how it's trying to get watered down now from all over the place, mainstream alternative media. Now let's get into some actual actionable tactics people can use. You know, what do you recommend people to do to figure out information to discern so number one turn off mainstream media i'll just say that right away number two you know i i take what i see even on oann i take what they say with a grain of salt and i try and always number one try and go to the source try and do your own research and go right to the source and figure out if what they even have a source yeah if you or can name it <laughs> yeah but i'm i'm talking more about you know, you see something in the, in the news cycle, like let's take the pipeline thing right now, right? So we're seeing fuels, fuel shortages in I think four states. Now, the, there's the effect of the rumor mill, your friends are gonna come in. I'll give you a case in point. Um, I had a guy in my house this week, they were working on my AC unit here, and a guy came in and he's like, hey, what's the story with the National Guard? They're gonna deploy the National Guard to, to all the streets here. I went, no. No, they're not. And I let him talk a little bit more. And what I realized was he was watching mainstream media. He was watching social media. And he wasn't doing any, any kind of questioning around what he was hearing. He wasn't going out and looking at anything that's going on with the military. Right? Where's the military at right now? They're shut down. They took a 60-day stand down to do this radical extremist training and retake their oath. So they're normal operations. In fact, they're, they're, they're normal operations on standby. They're not doing anything. They're doing training, they're doing retraining, they're doing more training, but they're not deployed anywhere, right? And all you have to do is just, literally you can go look it up on any of the websites for any of the, any of the services and they'll tell you what they're doing. In fact, they're probably the most credible is the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps tells you exactly what they're doing most of the time, right? Unless they're doing classified ops, which you wouldn't know about anyway. So there's that piece. So go to the source. Number two, don't believe anything you see on YouTube or on, especially on YouTube, Instagram, some of the, even TikTok. TikTok is a, let's just say it's a toxic hole of stupidity that is punctuated with ignorance. So I wouldn't believe anything there either. The, the places that I find credible, Number one, I, I listen to what Flynn's talking about because he's dialed in. I listen to OANN. I listen to Newsmax with, Newsmax with a grain of salt. I watch Epic Times. They, they seem to be doing some real reporting. Um, I watch a, a number of different channels on Instagram, or sorry, on Telegram. And I watch Gab and I watch all the others. But I don't, I don't buy into anything at first pass, right? I look at it and then I go try and figure out what's really there. 
you know, the asynchronous hole I have is I still have people in the system that I can call and say, hey, what's going on, right? What I'm hearing is there's nothing going on and that most of the general officers have bent the knee and they're going along with the social Marxism. Most of them don't even realize what they're going along with. They're just following orders, right? So that's my ace in the hole. Most people don't have that. So I would spend my time literally going to alter alternative sources outside of the mainstream things that you see and trying to do some discernment. Now, there's sites like State of the Nation, there's sites like, um, there's four or five of them that are just like, I can't think of a site now where the guy was posting like he was in the courtroom for all of these different tribunals going on. Is that and real raw news? Real raw news, that's what it was. You got you. before it's news and operation disclosure. There's a whole right. I don't pay kind attention. of blogs. I don't pay attention to any of that nonsense because it's not based in any kind of fact, right? So Podesta's at Gitmo, Hillary Clinton's at Gitmo, Comey got arrested. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm buying All the that. Real raw news, real fake news articles. Yeah, if it, that would be big news, even even if it was, you know, partially true, it would still be big news. You can't hide that, right? Just like some of the things around the Evergreen ship, people saying there was military operations. Thirteen hundred kids rescued from the Ever Given. Okay, so let's do some basic math. Because this is what I tell all my friends, basic math. If you're going to move helicopters with that many troops in and drop on a ship, somebody's going to see it. With the proliferation of cell phones, and I'll give you an example. In Iraq in 04, right, there, everybody had a cell phone. Everybody had a phone camera. Even back then, it wasn't the highest quality, but we couldn't get away with anything because there was so many cameras in the wild. And you're telling me that they're going to bring troops in, they're going to drop on this ship, they're going to pull kids off of it while it's stuck in the sand, which means you got to have, you know, have staircases, you got to have boats, you got to have trucks. Nobody's going to see that. Come on, that would be national news. And that basic would be questions. Just ask the basic questions when you hear these influencers go on and on and on with their stories. Just keep it's it common simple. sense. Yeah. yeah, it's common sense. Ask the basic question. Why would they do that? It's like. Why would somebody sign an NDA with some guy in his basement with his cats in, in England? Why would you do that? I, I can't even get my head around why somebody would do that, let alone why would you sign an NDA with somebody like that? You sign a non-disclosure agreement because you have something you don't want them to say. <laughs> Basic <Yeah>. math. <laughs> Except these are supposed to be the disclosure people that are being the ones telling everything, yet I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't buy any of that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that's good. You gave a lot of great suggestions, great tips for people just to basically not blindly believe anything. And, you know, one thing I notice is that people just want to take the easy way out. They want what's convenient. What's convenient is for them to be told what to think. It's almost like there's this mainstream section of alternative media and you've got these mainstream alt influencers just telling their fans what to think and not giving them actual tools into how to think and how to analyze information and whatnot. So well, it's, it's just like the same mainstream media tactics, except in the alternative media. Right. And you're, what you're, what you're describing is you're describing generations of kids that have gone through the education system that have been conditioned to believe what they see in the media, trust politicians, trust police, trust, you know, trust clergymen, it's been a it's been a narrative for 50 years. You're not going to undo that overnight. Just like you're not going to undo any of these narratives overnight. Like one of the questions that I ask on a regular basis when I get this this comment about there's going to be military tribunals is what does that look like? How does that work? If we're going to do military tribunals, what do you do with the mainstream media? And the better question is is I get hey when Trump comes back, what do you think he's going to do first? And my question is what does that look like? How is Trump going to come back? And more importantly, what do you do with the mainstream media if Trump does come back? And what do you do with all those people in D.C. that made marriages of convenience to get that guy out of, the, out of office? I mean, it wasn't just one group of people that cheated in the vote. We're talking about an entire establishment that made marriages of convenience to rig this election to get this guy out of office because they hated him that much. You're talking about deep, deep, deep institutional money that was behind this to make all these moving parts move in unison, which brings me back to my first conversation around, let's, let's distill this out to the rest of the world. 
what we're seeing right now is going is planetary. This is not just happening here in the U.S. This is happening across the entire planet. It's it's Europe is is exactly the same. Only they're farther down the rabbit hole than we are. You have Australia. You have you have China that's already been subjugated. You have Iran. You have the Middle East. All of those different areas of the world are under they're tightly controlled right now. The message is tightly controlled. In fact, Israel, they have 100% vaccination. They're going to get vaccinated every six months. And if you don't get vaccinated, you don't travel, you don't eat, you don't make money, you don't do anything. That's going on across the world. That doesn't happen in a unified way without some kind of institutional money around it. And then number two, the most important part of this is when you look at all the different moving pieces, just if you look at the election, the moving pieces of the election, they interdicted five different states and it was key people within those states. So they knew they had a plan, they had a target, they had a, they had a concept of operations, they executed that concept of operations, and more importantly, they had contingencies for all those different plans, which means it was a very structured process for them to take the election and do what they did. And if you look at what's going on, you bubble that up to the, to the world level, all the themes and messages you're hearing, it's planetary. It's not just here. And people, people want hope, right? People want somebody to tell them, hey, it's going to be okay. But the reality is for this to be okay, for us to turn this around, we got to put away all of our political differences. We have to put away all of our religious differences. We have to put aside the fact that we want to be in control because people want to be in control, right? What's the one thing you're seeing right now in the alternative media? You're seeing people fighting to be the voice. Influencers want to be in control of the narratives. They want to have the audiences. And also for the information consumer, they want to feel like they know exactly what's going on. So they get so addicted to whatever influencer is telling them the most sensational story with their insiders and their intel. So you've got the information providers and the information consumers who are all addicted to this feeling of being in control. That's why the clickbait is spreading like it is. Right. And the, the, the piece that's, that's really insidious about this is that, that since there is no source of truth, there's really no one source, which actually 100% of the time, I mean, you could say Project Veritas, but there's even questions around their motivations. You could say Epic Times, there's questions about their motivations. You and I mean, get- a, lot, a lot of these groups as well, like you're mentioning Project Veritas and Epic Times, they're very narrowly focused whether it's just current events or Project Veritas is typically media and big tech. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they're not talking about as well. So each person or group is very narrow in what they discuss. And they're myopic, right? So, so when you look at the bigger picture of all the different platforms and the coordination it's taking, there's a lot of different players that are involved in this. And I would say that, from an information perspective, everything you're seeing on Telegram and the alt media is being coordinated by one or two different organizations. I would say it's probably somebody in the high tech space. I guess probably Google because they're the best at it. I mean, think about what they do for a living, right? They're, they're an advertising company that does a search engine. So there's a, there's a, a number of pieces that are, um, let's just say, controlled by too many, too few people to be anything other than coincidence. So. I'll just leave that there. Yeah. Well, I think we covered a lot of fantastic topics here and you gave a lot of fantastic advice. Are there any last words that you want to leave the audience with before we sign off? Yeah, I, I will say this. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to get demoralized. The, the, the intent of all of what you're seeing right now is to keep you demoralized, home and feeling alone, but you're not alone. There are millions of people just like you right now that are wondering the same thing you're wondering. What's going on? Who's in charge? What's going to happen? Who can I trust? Everybody's asking that question. You can trust your neighbors, right? All it takes is a leap of faith. And I don't care if your neighbor is a liberal, is a, is, is a Republican. I don't care what their belief system is. This affects all of us. And if we don't fix the 2020 election, if we don't band together as a country and throw off this oppression, we will never have a fair election again. And the way you get involved 
is you can pick up the phone, you can call your senators, you can call your legislatures and make your voice known. And I'll give you a case in point. Here in Arizona, they were gonna, they were literally gonna shut off this audit and they got 45,000 calls in one, one hour and it tipped over the phone system at the election board to where they finally acquiesced. They had so many death threats in just one 10 minute period, they couldn't run them all down. That should tell you that the power of the people still is in our hands. We decide if we give it up. If we don't give it up, guess what? They don't have any power. It's like the mask mandates. People talk about the mask mandates. You want that to stop? Get your neighbors together and stop as a group. And trust me, they're not gonna do anything. They can't, they can't arrest everybody. They can try, but they can't arrest everybody. So you're not alone. And there's millions of people that are thinking what you're thinking. And the, the power resides with us. The option to do something resides with us. Now, I will say one thing that I don't want people to do. I do not want them to pick up arms. I do not want them to go after law enforcement. I do not want them to go after people in power. This is why. When the first bullet goes down range, everything stops. No more Starbucks, no more gas, nothing. It stops at that moment. And it gives, gives the elite in this country the opportunity to invite in the Chinese or some other nation state that doesn't have any allegiance to this country and they can take over. And they will do that in a heartbeat if they have the opportunity. That's why all this craziness is going on. The messaging there is we want you to lose your, we want you to lose your stuff. We want you to go out in the streets. We want you to go after politicians because it gives them an excuse. Don't give them the excuse. The way that we win this, and I agree with Patrick Byrne on this, the way we win this is by unifying and marching together peacefully. That's the only way this needs to go down. If it goes down any other way, then we've lost. Fantastic. Well, Steve, thank you for this conversation. I'm sure everybody out there is going to enjoy it. Just want to ask really quick, what is the black hat on your shirt there? You're not trying to tell us something, are you? No, it's a conference. It's actually, okay. it's a cyber conference that, uh, or sorry, information security conference that happens every year. And it's, it's basically cyber defense. Gotcha. I'm just, I'm just kidding around. Well, hey, thank <laughs> you for the conversation. I would love to have you on again for another talk sometime soon. If you're open to that, we'll Absolutely. see how this, how people react to this one and uh, appreciate you. So is there, you probably don't have a website or anything like that you want to plug or anything before we head off. You just wanted to uh, get some messages out with me interviewing here. So yep. anyway, um, we'll do this again. Thank you, Steve. All right. Take care. Take care.